0: The Lord's Prayer, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, and then I'm going to continue tonight uh, on this uh, series on prayer. And I want to remind you that we're going to uh, be beginning um, pre-service prayer two weeks from now. And uh, I'm going to be looking for prayer captains. I think Pastor Tim Crow is going to begin uh, leading it, and then we're going to believe God to raise up other people around us. And we're going to see God move in the house in answer to prayer. If we don't pray, we won't stay. If you say that with me? If we don't pray, we won't stay in a move of God. Got to pray. So let's go ahead and pray through the Lord's prayer, can we? Jesus said in this manner, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts As we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you place your hand over your heart and let's ask God say, Lord, help me to have an increased prayer life. Like I've never known it before. I receive your word in Jesus name. Amen. Turn your neighbor and tell him it's good tonight. You can be seated. <clears throat> now, last time we saw that God is our Father. Amen? God is our Heavenly Father. And Jesus encouraged us to approach him with that in mind. I want to remind you that it matters how you view God. If you view God like some mean old miser in the sky who's just waiting for you to make a mistake so he can swatch you, play gotcha with you, stomp you, then you've got a wrong concept of God. Jesus knew that we would not pray well until our view of God was changed. So he said, I want you to begin to see him like he really is. He's your father. He's your daddy. He's your God and father. And that was revolutionary teaching. That is not the way the Jewish people understood God. But Jesus changed our concept. He said, he's your father. And what did he say about him? It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. Go to your father in my name. And he will hear you because you come in my name. And then Hebrews comes along and says, You don't have to crawl to God. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain what, everybody? Mercy. And find what? Grace to help us in the hour of need. Well, the only way you're going to come boldly towards somebody is if you know that you're okay with them and they're okay with you. And that's what the blood did. The blood of Jesus made us okay with God and God okay with us. The blood of Jesus reconciled us to God. So now our hand is in God's hand and he is our father. Not not just by title, but he has literally birthed you, a new you when you became born again. This is why Jesus said, you got to be born twice if you're going to see the kingdom of, of God. Born once, you're going to hell born twice you're going to heaven born once you're lost born twice you're found born once you're in the dark born twice you're in the light born once you're a child of the devil according to jesus born twice you're a child of god so when we were born again and how did it happen peter told us by the incorruptible seed of the word of god when we were born again we were literally born anew a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and God became our father, literally. So we got to live in that truth, walk in that truth, pray in that truth. So he wants to meet our needs and he wants to answer our prayers more than we want it done. Now, Jesus taught us the proper balance of intimacy and respect when we approach God. Jesus continued this thought of how we approach God. We approach God, what did he say? Hallowed, be your name. It matters how you approach him, not just as your father, but we approach God with respect. Now, I'm going to talk to you tonight about something that, um, as a pastor of many years, I've noticed changing in the church. And when I, do, when I go into this stuff, I'm not talking about you per se. I'm really not. I'm talking about what I've seen in the church at large. But here's what Jesus wanted us to understand. There is a difference between something holy and something common. You know what we've lost in our day? We've lost the ability to distinguish between what is holy and what is common. In our day, everything is common. Everything is common. Everything is just plain vanilla. There is no There there is nothing more valuable than something else. Jesus said, I want you to understand that the name of God is hallowed. It is holy. It is highly esteemed. It is valuable. It is precious. There is a difference between gold and fool's gold. There's a difference between a real diamond and something you get in a drugstore. There are differences in things in this life and God has declared and set aside some things as holy, as sacred. Jesus taught us the proper balance of intimacy and respect when we approach God. The Jews saw God as awesome, but he was unapproachable. Christians sometimes see God as too approachable and too familiar. This is why you'll notice if you get around me much, you'll notice that sometimes I call the Lord Jesus, but but many times I call him Christ. I do that for a reason. I don't want to get so familiar with the name Jesus that, that, that I forget the sacred aspect of who he is. So I will call him Christ or the Lord Jesus. And like I said, if you're around me much, you'll notice that. I often, at least half the time, refer to him as Christ because that's what he is, Christos, the Messiah. And I don't want to lose that um, distinction. I think sometimes we get so familiar with him that we forget who we're dealing with and who's dealing with us. We overemphasize intimacy with God and we lose our sense of awe. AWE Awe. Awe some. Give me some awe. There you have awesome. When you get around God, you've got some awe. So Jesus taught us to hallow his name. Now, what does the world or, or the, what does the word hallow mean? One young boy prayed. I had to pluck this from I found this and I got a laugh out of it. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, how did you know my name? (laughs) He he missed it in Sunday school. Uh, But now, hallowed means to treat something as holy. That's what it means. Hallowed means you, you treat something as holy or sacred. Very important. Today's culture treats all things as common, but something should be special. God told Moses, you remember the story when Moses saw the bush burning, but not consumed, he started to approach it and God spoke and said, don't come any closer. Remove your sandals from your feet. You're standing on what kind of ground, y'all? Holy ground. Now what made the ground holy? What made the ground holy was God was there. See, when God is there, something goes from common to holy. That's why this isn't just a building. It was a warehouse. It's not a warehouse anymore. It's the house of God. And you know what makes it special? God is here. And so we don't treat this building like you do any other building. I think when you walk in here, we ought to have a respect for the house of God. I really mean that. When you walk into God's house... There are certain things you don't say, certain things you don't do because you're in God's house. And what makes it holy? The presence of God and that for which it is used. It's not used for common things. What I'm doing right now is not common. I'm ministering to you the word of God, which is anointed and powerful and holy. And so so what goes on in this house is what makes it uncommon. Uncommon. Scripture reveals God rebuking the priests in the Old Testament because, quote, her priests do violence to my law. And what were they doing? Profaning my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. Do you know that that was an indictment against the priests of God in the Old Testament? They had lost the ability to distinguish the holy from the common. They teach that there is no difference between the unclean and the clean. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's our day. Our culture says there's no difference between the unclean and the clean. They even go worse than that. They call right, wrong, wrong, right, clean, unclean, unclean, clean. But you see, you, you, you are growing in spiritual maturity when you're able to look at something and say, you know what? That's not common that's holy that's sacred that's special and i'm to treat that differently than i do something that is common here's peter he goes into a trance and a sheet comes down out of heaven and it's filled with animals that have been declared in the old testament to be unclean and a voice said to him take peter kill and eat and peter said "Uh uh-uh now he's talking to god he says no no lord I'm not going to eat anything unclean. Nothing unclean has ever passed through my lips, and I am not going to eat something unclean now. And what did God say to him? What I have called clean, don't you call unclean. See, I don't care what you used to be. If you're washing the blood, you're clean. I'm not going to call you unclean. I don't care where you've come from. If the blood has covered you, you're not unclean, you're clean. Who am I to call you unclean? And don't let anybody call you unclean if you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus because his blood has made you clean. But I I want us to understand now, Jesus said, when you come into the presence of God to pray, you are to approach God and his name as something sacred. It's sacred. That means I treat it differently than I do common names. There's a difference between, there is a difference and God's people learn this by learning to hallow, respect, revere, treat special, and highly value the name of God. By teaching us to hallow God's name, Jesus was not just referring to the word God, G-O-D. But in the whole, or to the whole person, to God's character. And we're going to look at this more closely in just a moment. This is why God placed in one of the Ten Commandments. Let's read it together, can we? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Has it ever struck you how we instinctively know there's more value to the name of God than any other name? Do you hear anybody out there in the culture when they get angry? Do you hear them say, Buddha? Do you ever hear them say, Muhammad? Uh uh. Something deep inside of us knows the name God has special significance. And so, if we're going to curse, God forbid we use his name. He said, Don't use my name in vain. That's not just talking about in cursing, it's saying, Don't treat it common. It's uncommon. Can you say with me, God's name is uncommon. But the idea of hallowing God's name runs even deeper. The names of God are given to us by God that we might understand his character. You know, we wouldn't know a thing about God if he didn't reveal it. And you do understand tonight, don't you, church, that God has never discovered. God's never found. God is revealed by himself. You didn't wake up one day and say, well, I think today... I'm at a place in my spiritual life where I'm going to go find the Lord. You didn't find the Lord. I hate to break it to you, Mr. Brilliant, Miss Brilliant. He found you. He took the scales off your eyes. He convicted you by the Holy Spirit. He drew you to the foot of the cross. He raised your Dead people don't seek anybody. So God knows that if he doesn't reveal who he is to us, we're never going to know it. So he revealed himself, his character, what he's made of, how he thinks by way of the names he has revealed to us. And they also help us to understand the benefits of the new covenant. And let me show you a few of them tonight. There are eight powerful names of God revealed in Scripture. We won't get through them all tonight, but I, and I'm not going to spend long on any of them, but I want you to understand that these eight names correspond with five benefits purchased for us by the blood of Christ. Let me look at these benefits and the names. Everybody say with me, success. Anybody in here want success? All right, I want you to understand that God revealed a name to us, and this is the first name God revealed himself by, and it was through Abraham. We'll look at that in a moment, but Jehovah-Jireh. We all know that one. The Lord will provide, and that took care of our success. You know, as long as you walk with him, he is going to see to it that you're provided for, and it goes deeper than material things, which we'll see in a moment. Everybody say with me, soundness. That's the second new covenant blessing that the blood of Jesus bought for us. And Jehovah Rophi, the name of God, corresponds to that, corresponds to soundness. And that is the Lord who heals. Well, I love that one. The Lord who heals. So you have success, then soundness. The third benefit, need to back up. Can we back up? There we go. Security. All right. That's the third benefit, security. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. That takes care of our security. I'll explain these in a moment. And then the sin issue. How many of you know you got a sin issue? Amen? And uh, and the sin issue was taken care of by Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. All right, let's go on. Uh, and then Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who sanctifies. And that is a great one. And that's the last name. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We've got one more to go. Spirit, our spirits. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. And Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. Now, let's start with the first one and talk about success. This is the first benefit that the blood of Jesus purchased for us. Success. The corresponding name is Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. How many of you have found that to be true? The Lord will provide. He always will. When we enter into prayer and begin to hallow, make His name sacred and valuable, we should praise God for His goodness. We should thank Him that He is our provider. So watch this now. We're learning how to pray. We have said, Lord, thank you that you're my father. I come to you with confidence. I come to you with boldness. I know you want to answer my prayers and provide for me. Then we say, Lord, thank you that you are my provider. And I'm hallowing his name. This is his name. He said, you want to know what I'm made of, what my character is like? Here it is. My name is Jehovah Jireh. That means I take care of you. I take care of you. I can't deny you. If I deny you, I deny myself. I'm going to take care of you. And you know what? This uh, does not just apply to material provision, but also to our redemption. It was Abraham who named God Jehovah Jireh, and he did it when he discovered the ram caught in the thicket on the top of Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah is the very place that would one day be called Mount Calvary, where Jesus was crucified. What did Abraham say when he's taking Isaac up that mountain, and Isaac said, Father, where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, the Lord will provide a sacrifice. Do you know that as he walked up Mount Moriah and said, the Lord will provide a sacrifice, he was prophesying down centuries of time when Jesus would walk up that very same mountain. The sacrifice for us. So the, the context that we first got Jehovah Jireh was the context of our redemption. Abraham said, son, God will provide himself a lamb Well, you know the story, he went to, he went, brought the knife up over Isaac and the angel stopped him. And when he did not slay Isaac, he saw a ram caught in the thicket. And this will preach every which way, but loose because over there was God's provision. And he took that ram and sacrificed it to God. And God declared Abraham a man of faith from that moment on. But here's the deal. Abraham said, wow, look what God provided. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees what I need and provides. And that goes across the whole spectrum of human experience and human need. He provided for our redemption. He provides our finances. He provides our health. He provides what we need inside and out. He's Jehovah Jireh. Amen. Amen. He's never going to let you, you may not get everything you want, but you will always get what you need, always from God. And so that was the context and it's powerful. He's our provider of material things and of our redemption and of our forgiveness. Jesus said, your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things, material needs as well. As we hallow his name, we should make the faith declaration that he is our provider. He is our all-sufficiency. Can we just take a moment, church, and lift our hands and thank God that he provided for our redemption and he provides what we need. He sees what we need before we even ask him. Lord, we praise you and we thank you that you are Jehovah, Jireh. The first name you revealed about yourself was the name of provision. You provided yourself, a lamb, even Jesus, and we praise you for it. Amen. Amen. Well, isn't that good? Now let's look at another one, soundness. Not only did he take care of our provision, but soundness. Jehovah Rophi, the Lord who heals in Exodus, God identifies himself as the healer of his people. Look at what he said. If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For Read it with me now. For I am the Lord who heals you. There's a lot there, and I only want to comment this far with it. The book of Hebrews says that we need to make a straight path for our feet so that what is lame in our lives may be healed. Did you know that it says that? It's in Hebrews 12. Make a straight path for your feet that that which is lame may not be turned out of the way or neglected, but that it may be healed. Often there is a connection to righteous living and healing. And I'm not saying that because you're sick, you're not living righteously. Please don't think I'm saying that. We live in a sin-infested, devil-infected world. And you know what? Sometimes people get sick. But sometimes, especially when God wants to heal you on the inside, there is a connection between righteous living and God's work of healing happening on your soul. He said right there, if you will do what I tell you, walk in my decrees, I'm going to be the Lord who heals you. This is not only about physical healing, but inward healing as well. Isaiah prophesied of Jesus. He said, he has sent me. This is Jesus talking in the first person through Isaiah. He has sent me to heal the broken in heart. There is nothing that will cripple you like a broken heart. There is nothing that will lay you low like a broken heart. You can walk around looking fine on the outside, but you're bleeding on the inside And until God steps in and heals that broken heart. You're hurting all the time. A broken heart is the gift that just keeps on giving. And you know what? Sometimes time does not heal a broken heart. Sometimes you've got to take a broken heart to God. Say, Lord, you said that you were anointed to bind up and heal my broken heart. I'm hurting all the time, Lord. I can't eat. I can't sleep good. I wake up from nightmares. I need healing. And we need to understand that Jesus said, I have been sent and anointed to bind up and heal your broken heart so that you laugh again and enjoy life again and walk with a skip in your step again. And you're not depressed all the time anymore because he stepped in and healed your broken heart. I thank God that he heals the inside as well as the outside. So we make our faith declaration as we're praying. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're the healer of my life, body, soul, and spirit. Thank you that you're my healer. Can we just say thank you, Lord, that you're my healer, body, soul, and spirit. Amen. And now let's talk about security. A third benefit that Jesus purchased for us on the cross, Jehovah Nissi. Can you say with me, Jehovah Nissi? Well, that means the Lord our banner. Well, what in the world does that mean, the Lord our banner? This is so powerful. A banner in ancient Israel was not necessarily a poster or a flag like we would know it. You know, you got banners in churches and, you know, with some sign on them. That is not what it was. A banner in the Old Testament was often a bare pole with a bright shining ornament that glittered in the sun, usually at the top of it. Banner in the Hebrew language here means to glisten. It's also a word meaning miracle. In Old Testament times, a banner served as a rallying point for God's people to rally to him. Now, you've heard about uh, meeting at the flagpole, how young people, high schoolers, junior highers, meeting at the pole to pray. That's the same idea. When God said, I am Jehovah Nissi, your banner, here's what he was saying. He was saying, when you're in a battle, I want you to rally to my name. Praise God. I mean, there's nothing like, you can be in a battle in your home, your marriage is under attack, or your finances are under attack, or your children are under attack. What do you do? Do you sit there and wring your hands and say, we have no option? We have no, we have nothing we can do about this. No. He says, when you're under attack and you're in a battle, you rally at the pole. You rally at my name. You lift up my name in your house. I'm telling you, the devil does not want you to know this. He does not want you to understand when you stand in your living room and you respond to the attack you're under. And you don't just sit there and have an anxiety fit, but you say, you know what? You attack me. I'm going to rally around the name of my God. I'm going to rally around the name of my God. And I'm going to stand in the middle of my house, stand in the middle of my church, stand in the middle of my workplace. And I'm going to say... There is a name above every name. His name is Jesus. The devils in hell fear His name. I glorify His name. I hallow His name because all the eight names of God are encapsulated in the one name, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's power in the name. Jesus said, in my name, you will cast out devils. In my name, you will pray for the sick and they shall recover. In my name, there's power in that name. So when he said, I'm Jehovah Nissi, he said, when you're under battle, I want you to rally around my name. Rally around my name. Put my name right there like a flagpole and rally around it. Praise God. And that's why we're going to pray in this church. We're going to rally around the name of the Lord and we're going to pray to him. So it stood for God's battle. It was a sign of deliverance of salvation. That pole, the bottom line is God's name is a rallying place for God's people in time of battle. It's a place of safety, protection, and security. And now let's look at the second one that's under security, Jehovah Rohi. This is probably our favorite the Lord, our shepherd. How many of you can say he's my shepherd? This is the second name of God having to do with security. And I'm going to just read David's familiar words. And as I read uh, these words from the 23rd Psalm, I want you to just look at how this speaks to security. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows He leads me beside peaceful streams, the Holy Spirit. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Don't you hear David saying, I am so secure. I'm so secure. And that's one of the blessings of the new covenant. Jesus is our security. And aren't you glad you can go to sleep because he never does? Amen. So again, as you begin your prayer by hallowing his name, thanking for his security. Now, I mean, we're going to have these cards and we're going to be in there praying and we're just going to pray through this. And I want us, when we come together, just to begin to praise, praise him for his names and all that they mean, because what a blessing to know that I'm provided for, that I'm safe, that I'm secure, that he's with me and that he has cleansed me from sin. Here's another blessing of the covenant. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. How many of you realize that you could never have pleased God? You could never have been righteous before God. And this is one of the blessings of the name of God. He said, you know what? I'm going to be your righteousness because you can't be your own righteousness. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to our own way. And so what did he do? So he laid on him the iniquity of us all. There had to be a sacrifice lamb. This name first appeared. In Jeremiah's prophecy of a righteous branch and a king who was to appear. And it says, quote, and this is his name whereby he shall be called Jehovah, our righteousness, Jeremiah predicted. This name of God sums up the core message of the New Testament. Here's the core message of the New Testament. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the core message of the New Testament. So we hallow His name. Lord, thank You that You're my righteousness, that I didn't do it. Christianity is not, what are You going to do? Christianity is resting on what He already did. And so it's because of Him. Here's another verse. It is because of Him that You are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us, Wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. He is my righteousness. And then Jehovah Makedesh is also an aspect of God's covenant with us to take care of the sin issue. Jehovah Makedesh is the Lord who sanctifies. This powerful name for God first appears in Leviticus 20, 7 and 8. It says, Sanctify yourselves therefore and be holy. For I am Jehovah, your God. I am Jehovah, which sanctifies you. Now, sanctify means to separate or to set apart for special use. Our God has set the Christian apart. That's you. Called us out of this evil present world for special use. You are God's China. You're not a paper plate. You are God's China. You know, you wouldn't let your kids on a Saturday morning when they were going to have their whatever it is they eat on Saturday mornings. You wouldn't open up your china cabinet and give them china, would you, to sit in front of the TV and watch the cartoons? Uh uh. You give them paper plates, you give them common utensils. Only when special guests come to your house do you break out that china. Why? Because you want to treat them special and you want to impress them. God says, You're my china. You're not a paper plate. And my anointing is moving in the earth. And I'm calling you out for a special purpose. I don't use you for common things. You're China. You're China. And the Holy Spirit is the sanctifying agent. We're to cooperate with his leading. The promise is, and may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things, Make you pure and wholly consecrated to God. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And what does he say about sanctifying you? Faithful is he who is calling you to himself and utterly trustworthy. And he will also do it. Fulfill his call by hallowing and keeping you. Amen. Amen. Do you have time for me to finish the last one? All right, let's finish the last one. Say it with me, Jehovah Shalom. This is the last of the five benefits of the new covenant. This is the Lord, our peace. And this name first appeared through Gideon in Judges. And uh, it says, then Gideon built an altar to Jehovah and called it Jehovah Shalom, which means Jehovah is peace. Now, here's what God wants us to understand. If he tells us my name is peace to you, then he wants us to understand we're to walk in his peace. We're not to walk in worry. We're not to walk in fear. We're not to walk in anxiety. We're to walk in his peace. The Lord Jesus is indeed our peace. Look look at some of the promises I just plucked from the word of God. The Bible promises peace that passes understanding. How do you have peace in the middle of this storm? I don't understand it. Neither do I. I just know that I've got peace in the middle of the storm. All right, And it says that he, Jesus, will be our peace, Ephesians 2.14. And that our God is the God of peace, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And that grace and peace will be multiplied to believers, 2 Peter 1.2. You know what? God wants us to be a people of peace, not of fear. And lastly, Jehovah Shammah. And this name, Jehovah Shammah, meaning the Lord is there, is the last name that God reveals himself by in the Old Testament. It appears in Ezekiel 48, and it says, And the name of the city from that day shall be Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. It came as a promise from God that he would not leave his people. I'm there. No matter where you go, I'm there you can't hide from me, I'm there. If you think you can go hide from me, when you get there, I'm there. When you arrive, I've already been waiting for you. It came as a promise. And I thank God for that promise. And this is one of the most memorable promises from the lips of Jesus. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so let's stand together, can we? And so as we hallow the name of God, what do we thank him for? Read it with me, can you? Success, soundness, security, the removal of our sin, and the blessing of his spirit. Hallowed be his name. Father, we just thank you for the beautiful names of God. And we make our faith declarations, Lord, that they are ours. We will walk in your peace and we'll walk in your security. We walk in your soundness. We walk in your healing. We walk in your provision. We walk in your presence. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, can you lift your hands and just say, Lord, thank you. We hallow your name. It's sacred. It's special. It's holy. It's glorious. It's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. We hallow as special the name of God. We enter your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise. We bless your holy name. Hallelujah. To the name of God. <laughs> Just go ahead and have a moment with Him.